0: Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich.
1: And I'm Jen.
0: And today we are here to talk about Thor Four, which I think would have been a way better title than Thor Love and Thunder. (laughs) Thor Four, come on, guys. Come on. Thor four. It rhymes. It's like poetry. Sort of.
1: Not really.
0: So what's your experience with Thor, just the character? I know you've seen all the movies. Is that it? Just the, just the movies, that's all you've seen?
1: Yes, I have not read any comics or books or seen any cartoons or anything like that.
0: Have you read any of the mythology behind Thor? Because I haven't. I'm just curious if you learned No, any of that. I have not. No. Well, I just figured being from Minnesota with all your Norse stuff that you guys have around here that maybe you would have heard something or learned something in school or Something like that. no. Nope. nope. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I knew nothing about Thor, the the myth other than you know, a few things. I knew what Ragnarok was. I knew what Valhalla was, etc. But as far as Thor the character goes, I read a few issues of Walt Simonson's run in the in the mid 80s, and I read Jason Aaron's run on which some of this stuff is based, called Thor God of Thunder. Now, that's part of like a trilogy of of series that kind of also comprises uh, the story or parts of the story for this movie. Starting with Thor God of Thunder, moving to just Thor, where they introduce, spoilers, Jane Foster as Thor, And then moving into the Mighty Thor, where she kind of comes into her own as that character. I didn't read those last two because I didn't realize that they were related. And so I've kind of missed out on those parts. But I do remember bits and pieces of the God of Thunder bit where we're introduced to Gore, the God Butcher, who's very, very different from...
1: So is it, I'm assuming in the mythology then, maybe, I don't know, that anybody that's wielding the hammer... Becomes Thor. I thought Thor was the guy's name, but (laughs) apparently it's something else that everybody's now Thor as they wield this thing.
0: In the comics, if you're worthy, you can lift the hammer of Thor. There have only been a few people who have done it. But I don't think that anyone becomes Thor if they have the hammer. There have been some things like a frog became Thor and Jane Foster became Thor. And of course, Thor is Thor. So you've also got other characters like the Mastersons, Eric and Kevin, father and son, who become Thunderstrike in the comics. And Odin makes them a a specific weapon, not the hammer, but they were able to wield that and, and kind of have their own bits of power it's a it's a mace that they that they have in in that in those comics, but
1: I just I thought it was weird that she was using the hammer and now she's mighty Thor. And I'm like, wait, I thought Thor was his name.
0: Right. I didn't realize Thor was a title. I didn't know if it was a James Bond thing where, like, you know, 007 will live on no matter who you know is the 007 sure you know, James Bond character. Be. But I, I guess I didn't realize that maybe in the Marvel universe it is. Certainly in the cinematic universe, it seems to be the case, but
1: but then Captain America, Steve Rogers, he used the hammer, but he didn't become Mighty Thor, (laughs) so did
0: Vision. Vision didn't become Thor either, yeah. But neither of the hammer
1: chose to imbue her beyond just being able to use the hammer. I don't know.
0: Well, we'll get into that, we'll get into that because there's actually some story beats to that, okay. Yeah, All right. so who tell us about the movie, who directed it, who wrote it, etc.
1: Okay, so Taika Waititi came back and directed this. He was the director for Ragnarok. He came back for Love and Thunder. This was also written by Taika Waititi and Jennifer Caton Robinson.
0: Now, to be fair, Taika Waititi did not write Ragnarok. He only directed it. This one, he took the directing reins again, and he also helped write it. So okay okay yeah
1: all right this brings back chris hemsworth as thor natalie portman is jane foster or the mighty thor christian bale is here as gore which just a little side note i had no clue that was christian bale until the credits started going at the end and i'm like wait a minute that was christian bale <laughs> Didn't pick up on that at all.
0: I didn't realize it was a Colin Farrell level, you know, makeup job that, that, that basically hid him that well. I, I could see him in that.
1: Now, I've watched the videos back now and I could see him. Uh, but watching it the first time through, I, I had no idea.
0: I think it's his mouth that always gives him away. He's got a weird kind of an odd shaped mouth or teeth or something. I think it's least, in his least.
1: eyes, though. When I watched the second time, I'm like, I can see in his eyes that that is sure is Christian Bale. Tessa Thompson is back as King Valkyrie. Taika Waititi is in here as Korg. Woo-hoo. We have Russell Crowe as Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Briefly in the beginning, we have the whole Guardians of the Galaxy crew. I'm not going to go through them, but the crew is in here. I wanted to bring up a couple little side notes. This seemed to be a little bit of a family affair here in this movie. A lot of the kids of Hemsworth, Portman, and Waititi are in this movie. The kid Thor that you see running when they're doing that montage and mm-hmm. Thor's running and you got a little kid and the, and he ages. The little kid is actually played by Tristan Hemsworth, which is Chris Hemsworth's son. Love, at the end here, and, well, and at the beginning too, I guess, she is played by India Rose Hemsworth, so that is Chris Hemsworth's daughter. There's another Hemsworth child that along with Taika Waititi's and Natalie Portman's kids were in the movie but they're kind of like background like they were part of the kids group that was kidnapped and also as some of the tourists in the new Asgard so kids were on set and they just brought them in I guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) interesting yeah a little a little mini nepotism for you why not
1: that's everybody I think I'm going to go over. There's so many people in here, but again, you try and cover the main ones. So. Sure, sure. All right,
0: well, let's let's dig into the plot. I'm going to hit just the main beats and we can talk about the stuff around it because there's there's quite a bit going on in this movie. So it it opens with a pre-credit scene. We have pre-credit scenes now, guys. And it opens with gore. And his daughter, Love, which I didn't pick up that that was his daughter. I thought he was just calling her Love. Like, hey, Love, how's it going, you know? But apparently her name is Love, which kind of changes my perspective a little bit on this. They are looking for water in a desert, basically. And Love dies. Gore finds a what, what I thought was an oasis at first, but it actually ends up being the realm of his god, Rahu. Who basically mocks Gore for like looking for salvation, looking for help, and Gore renounces him, and Rapu tries to kill Gore, but there's a sword called the Necro Sword that was in possession of a of a creature or a being that was trying to kill Rapu right before Gore got there. Rapu killed him. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but. Rapu killed them, and the sword is kind of laying there. And the sword offers itself to Gore, and he kills Rapu with it and vows to kill all gods. And he, uh, he's the, uh, with this Necro Sword, he can control the shadows. And it also gives him, it also kind of infects him, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I, this, this was a little confusing as to what exactly was happening. I was trying to tell if, so I, I could tell that the sword like kind of took over or possessed him a little bit, not completely, but just kind of maybe gave him a little bit more evil tendencies maybe. But I was taking it as the sword's mission was to kill the gods and then that infected gore to do that. But I don't know if it was just really gore decided that's what he was going to do and this sword is just kind of an evil sword. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this sword or its mythology in the comics?
0: In the comics, the sword is called All Black the Necro Sword. And it actually comes from Null, which is the, I guess, kind of the god of, well, not the god of, but he's like this super powerful villain that is, I don't know if he's the father of Venom and Carnage but he's associated with like Venom and Carnage and kind of the Spider-Man universe. No. That's
1: interesting. I read that in the comics, Gore's powers were from the same source as the symbiotes for that. Mm -hmm. But you're saying the sword is too.
0: Yeah. The sword is as well. Yeah. And I think, I think his powers are associated with the sword. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I read this series, or at least the beginning of the series and it's not it's not really coming to me very well here but but i do remember that it is gore is not an unknown factor gore is somebody that that thor has run into before and the way that the way that the god of thunder series was set up was it was told in three timelines the past the present and the future so it was like the very very far past young thor like getting into a tangle with gore current age Thor getting into a tangle with him and then future Thor kind of getting his revenge on gore for what he does to him in present day or whatever so yeah so yeah I mean so that's kind of where that sword comes from it's it's okay. accurate I mean it's accurate okay. as far as the comics go for the most part I think it's not a sentient sword in the comics it's a well, I guess kind of symbiote. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not a freestanding thing. I I think they did it this way because how do you associate it with Spider-Man? You can't because Sony owns the film rights to it. So, right. Yeah. And if Sony ever decides they're going to make a null, you know, crossover with Carnage and Venom and Spider-Man, well, you know, there you go. So, but yeah. Meanwhile, we after the credits, then we get. We get Korg kind of telling the story of Thor and uh, how he was, you know, he did all these great things with the Guardians of the Galaxy and he got back into shape. So this is how they get rid of the whole, you know, fat Thor thing. He goes straight back to being, you know, Svelte Thor because they're going to need to, they're going to need to show him in nakedness later when he gets, confronts Zeus, but whatever. He tells the story of how Thor had these great adventures with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's still left unfulfilled. Meanwhile, Gore is going around murdering gods. And it is not until Thor receives a distress call from Sif that we find out, or that Thor finds out what's going on. That, you know, that this guy is killing gods. And they also set up the whole you have to die on the battlefield to to go to valhalla. Sif has lost her arm and she tells him that gore is coming to new asgard so thor takes them to new asgard to kind of prep for that whole thing. But meanwhile, another meanwhile, Jane Foster has cancer, terminal cancer, stage 4, and she Finds that her chemo is not effective. She finds information in a book about Mjolnir and that the wielder of Mjolnir will have great health and great strength. So she goes to New Asgard looking for Mjolnir. When she gets there, when she finds Mjolnir, it's just a bunch of pieces, but those pieces start to wiggle a little bit when she approaches. I see, I took this as the Book was calling to her, or Mjolnir was calling to her through the book.
1: Yeah, that's how I took it too.
0: Okay. All right. Good. Okay. So I just kind of took it as Mjolnir calling to her. It was saying, Look, check this book out. It's going to tell you the stuff that you need. Let's go, you know, let's go do this thing or whatever. But on at New Asgard, Thor and King Valkyrie and a couple other people are fighting off Gore's creatures which they're kind of shadow creatures i guess and they're not doing so hot but suddenly a new person appears on the battlefield and it's jane foster jane foster as thor it surprises thor regular guy thor
1: what are we going to call him? she's she's the she's mighty thor that's
0: that's how she's referred to so so he's thor
1: and she's mighty thor
0: so okay, so mighty Thor surprises Thor. <laughs> I just wish that there were like there were like different names that didn't like just put adjectives in front of the names, you know?
1: How about Jane
0: I, Thor? That's uh, still an well. Now you're using her name as an adjective to describe the other name. <laughs> okay, don't read this as I don't like Jane Foster empowered with Thor's powers at all. I actually quite enjoyed the Jane Foster <laughs> parts of this. I just wish for review purposes, I wish there was a way to differentiate them without having to be like the mighty Thor and Thor. So, okay, but I guess that's what we'll do. That's, that's, I guess that's what I've got to do. So the might, she, Jane Foster as the mighty Thor surprises Thor Thor, which I'm making it longer, I guess, but hopefully for comedic effect. And they fight off these creatures, but not before Gore kidnaps all the Asgardian children and absconds with them to parts unknown yet Thor and Jane have kind of a conversation and Korg gives us another behind the scenes look at what happened to Thor and Jane's relationship in between Thor was it Thor 1 and Thor 2 or Thor 2 and Thor 3
1: when two did and they three. break up? Was it two and three? Okay. I think so. Okay. So in between Yeah, because Dark World, she got possessed with that. Oh, the Ether yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: The dark ether. Yeah. Okay. So in between Thor two and three, then we get we get kind of a peek in between two and three. What happened to their relationship? They like work got in the way, basically, is what it comes down to. But Thor kind of accidentally enchanted Mjolnir to protect Jane. Like he's yeah that's
1: he, kind of how I took
0: it yeah like how do you accidentally enchant something like you gotta yeah. you gotta be really careful what you say to inanimate objects then right if you can accidentally enchant things then we, like you could accidentally like tell a beer can to like you know fuck up the neighbor dogs or something you know like <laughs> you gotta be careful like this is this isn't an experienced Thor though, right? Because in between two and three, he was still kind of searching for who he was. So maybe that you know maybe that's it. Maybe he just was like you know willy nilly enchanting things without knowing it. And
1: yeah, I would say he didn't now, realize what he was doing. Because
0: later he's going to enchant some other stuff. But like, but maybe the or maybe the maybe the old Thor, maybe the younger, less experienced Thor didn't realize that he could do that, and then he he accidentally did it. Anyway, okay. he accidentally enchants the hammer. I don't know if that's how it happens in the comics, but he accidentally enchants the hammer, and the hammer is going to protect Jane at all costs. We also find out, though, that the hammer and stormbreaker both have like personalities, and they're gonna be used like there's some jealousy stuff going on with Thor and the Hammer, and Thor and Stormbreaker, and it's it's used as like comedic effects were like breakups and you know that sort of thing and so i
1: i have read some in or i I saw some interesting stuff on this whole theory with the stormbreaker so stormbreaker is really the one that seems to be jealous right Mm -hmm. well stormbreaker is made partly of teenage groot so the stick part is teenage groot now not saying groot is in there but just saying that it is an adolescent at heart and kind of learning and growing as it goes. So there's some theories out there that maybe the, this is kind of coming about because you've got a, a, a sentient sword or, or not sword, axe or whatever it is, kind of learning, learning as it, as it goes, you know, I'm not, that is not canon by any means. It's just some theories out there that that might be what's going on.
0: I hope that, because, okay, I don't like that at all. That's that's a terrible, that is a terrible fan theory, guys. I, I hate to be that guy, but <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Really, it's baby Groot or teenage Groot being jealous of Thor wanting his old weapon back. It's. The whole thing with the jealous weapons thing was goofy to begin with. And that makes it worse. You're making it worse. (laughs) Stop that.
1: Well, and and I think where that theory is coming from is because when Thor puts that, puts Stormbreaker into the ground, it It starts taking roots. roots. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's still growing. It's still alive.
0: Boo. Please don't. I don't (laughs) like that. I don't like that at all.
1: Can we back up a little bit and talk about some? Okay, so this first montage in this, where guardians are fighting with Thor, there is some goofy shit happening here. Thor is doing some karate stuff. When the hell did Thor start fighting karate style? And then he does a Jean Claude Van Damme, like, you know, splits kick into these two weapons. I was so glad that when they panned over to Star-Lord that he was rolling his eyes because I was like what is going on this is so stupid. And so I thought thank god he's rolling his eyes so they're kind of making fun of this whole thing but it was really weird wasn't it?
0: Yeah, like okay, so I think what I think my problems with this movie spring from the fact that they were they they I think they saw that Ragnarok went so well because there were some jokes in it and there was some lightheartedness to it that they took this movie and they went completely goofy humor with it. And I think that I, I love Taika Waititi as a director and as an actor, as a writer, in some instances, I don't think he's the right writer for this. He's not the guy you want writing this.
1: I think, I think part of what you're saying is true And then I think the other part too, is they were trying to homage so many like different eighties callback things for some damn reason that it just, I don't know. It just almost kind of took you out of it a little bit. I mean, a little bit, I think is fine, but I mean, they really leaned into it, but that whole him fighting the karate style and the split kick and stuff. I'm like, what? what is even happening? I don't understand.
0: It should be said that the audience that we saw this with now we see movies in a tiny little town in Southern Minnesota guys. And most of the time, these guys, these people do not react to anything. The audience loved this stuff. They were laughing like almost nonstop laughing at this movie. And I think
1: there was I, I, now. There's funny parts in here that I did laugh at too. But yeah, this absolutely. part here, I absolutely. was definitely like, eh, I don't know about this. I think it there's felt far, out of character for him.
0: Yeah, I think there's far more of the eh, I don't know about this than the genuine laugh moments for me. I think we'll 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 get to that. I think when we get to the end here, but but the yeah, thing, I, I agree. Yeah, the the fight thing was goofy. Yeah.
1: Okay. The other yeah. thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to the story again was New Asgard. Is now yeah. a tourist trap. <laughs> I loved that.
0: I thought, okay, that. was I liked a nice it too touch. because yeah. this is a
1: Disney movie, and what would Disney do with a place like that?
0: <laughs> oh well, we were okay. We were just watching the boys, and we we. I turned to you and I said, Disney would one hundred percent have real superheroes in their parks if they could. <laughs>
1: they would. <This> is exactly <laughs> what Disney would do with this. I also like that they brought back Matt Davin and Hemsworth's brother to (laughs) create plays again. I was like, Oh, that's great. I liked that too. I thought that was funny.
0: Yeah. Those characters are eating good off of these, uh, these these legends (laughs) at this point. So yeah, (sighs) I did not like Melissa McCarthy. Come on. Like, I get it. You're gonna have like random people in or not random people, but like famous people in these random roles, I guess is what I was trying to say. But Melissa McCarthy is just too broad of a personality, I think, for Hella. I don't know. I she just rubbed me the wrong way. I thought I thought the outfit looked great on her. I thought she looked the part. Because you know, you always they always want to look like a cheap version of the character, like Damon and everything. But like something about her personality that just is just too—it's just too much. I think for the Hella thing, I don't know. I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know why.
1: I'm back and forth on that. I kind of see where you're coming on it too, but I also thought it was funny when she came out. I'm like, oh my god! I mean, I—that was my first reaction. That was Melissa McCarthy. So I get what you're saying. I think I enjoyed it though. I, some of this, I feel like I might be able to actually come down on a concrete decision how I feel about it, it once I watch it a second time. But later, I'm not going to go back to the theater to watch this one. But when it comes out, I'll probably watch it again. Right. Some of this is just like the whole karate thing. Maybe I'll feel differently when I watch it again, or maybe I'll hate it even more. <laughs> Who knows? But we'll see. <laughs> I
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: But yes, I did like the new, what they've done with New Asgard. I thought that was kind of a fun idea.
0: Yeah, that was, that was, that was funny. I, Thor also gets like a gift of like the screaming goats at one point. I don't remember exactly oh, right. when that He's happened. To
1: save that one place that has those right. Fraggle Rock like character things. Fraggle
0: Rock characters. I don't know. Yeah. They
1: are, I don't know. They look like they were puppets out of Fraggle Rock or something.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. No, that, but that- then. But yeah, then that give, temple give them screaming goats, yeah. I yeah, don't they, think
1: it was actually supposed to be a gift. I think it was supposed to be like a punishment. You take these screaming goats. Now, those goats, he does have goats, tooth grinder and tooth gnasher, in right. the comics, but they're yes. not screaming goats. No.
0: no, they're not. But I I would say that this is a gift to me because I think screaming goats are hysterical. So <laughs> I don't know why. I think screaming goats are funny. They just they amuse me. So Yeah. You don't think like I'm not usually the football to the groin kind of guy, you know, like, oh, that's funny football to the groin. Ha ha ha. But like screaming goats, they do it for me, guys. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't know why. I just think they're so human. Their screams sound so human, but they're they're not even like terrified. That's just what they do. They just scream, you know? Yeah. Like like, every
1: time they come in for a landing. Yeah. Yeah. Screaming. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So they figure out that the, kids are in the shadow realm but because gore controls the shadows they surmise that gore will be more powerful in the shadow realm so they have to get help they need to raise an army of gods so they go to a place called omnipotent city not omnipotent omnipotence city which kind of sounds like paradise city there's a lot of uh-huh. Guns and Roses in this movie. Man. Guns
1: and Roses guns are and roses. heavily featured in this. Which Holy crap! I love Guns and Roses. So I, I I do too. Okay with it,
0: I do too. I wonder if it's going to get the same push that that Metallica got from being in Stranger Things.
1: I don't know because I feel like more people know Guns and Roses because they've been. I don't know. I they might know more Guns and Roses stuff than they did Metallica. So I think Metallica. What was it? Masters of Puppet, Puppet, master? master of Puppets, Master of Puppets. That song, I think, was kind of more of a surprise because maybe not as many general public knew it versus Metallica fans know it. You know mm-hmm. what
0: I mean? Oh, I don't yeah, know. maybe yeah. we'll
1: see. We'll see what happens, I guess.
0: No, but there's been a there's been a serious resurgence of Metallica interest. I looked it up. We talked about it. I looked it up there. Mm-hmm. There there are several albums that are trending on the iTunes charts, Yep, which is fantastic because yep. they've got some great music, at least especially in the early stuff. They've got some great music. So Anyway, let's talk about this movie. Why are we talking about Stranger (laughs) Things? Okay. So they go to Omnipotence City to warn the gods and ask them for their help. The leader of the gods, Zeus, played by Russell (laughs) Crowe. Russell Crowe as Zeus. I thought that was pretty cool that
1: anyway. is th- I like that casting. That's good. Yeah,
0: that's that's good casting. So Russell Crow, or Russell Crowe. So Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Zeus is having like a board meeting or something, and he's talking about like what they're gonna do. They got to figure out where they're gonna, you know, have their next celebration, where they're gonna have their orgy, all this other stuff. And Thor interrupts it, and Zeus kind of they're, they're all wearing disguises so they could sneak into this thing because otherwise mm-hmm. they'd be, you know, found out. They don't have invitations. So <laughs> Th- Zeus blasts away Thor's disguise, but he blasts away all of Thor's clothes. And we get the Hemsworth shot where Thor's just kind of hanging dong in front of all these people. And you get the obligatory fainting women and the butt shots and all this other stuff which okay guys we get it (laughs) hemsworth is in great shape blah 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 i'm i'm kind of more of the henry cavill side of this where you know he gets interviewed and people fawn over him and he gets uncomfortable because Mm -hmm he's an actor he's doing a job you know and now you've got this scene where they're just like glorifying it and maybe maybe the idea is to make people uncomfortable as uncomfortable as women have been for many years with there being always being female nudity in in movies and that sort of thing but i think we've learned our lesson guys and maybe we just need to just stop with this because i don't know right like Do we need to have a scene where everybody's like, oh, Thor's so hot that women fall over? I mean, come on. It's just another bit of like, the humor is just too much in this, you know? Like another part of that, that idea that they went too funny for me, you know? I don't know. Sure. How did you feel about this scene?
1: I don't have a problem with it like you do but i also don't know that it was necessary i mean you're like i'm fine it's fine it's
0: it's,
1: you you have bigger issues with that stuff in movies than i do usually i don't but this doesn't it didn't bother me but it also to me i don't feel like it added to the story it was just kind of like you said just there for laughs but God, maybe there, maybe there the story maybe, would have been just as fine it, and it, maybe it that's the point maybe right? maybe yeah. that's the
0: point maybe there's a meta point being made here that like nudity doesn't usually uh, you know add to the story so why are we having women with their boobs out all the time you know why are right you know what i mean like like i'm not un- i'm not uncomfortable with male nudity i mean christ we watched a dude crawl up somebody's wang and the boys and yeah no that's not what i
1: was saying that. but you but know like, just like no, no I just want, you don't like
0: this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want anybody to like misinterpret me having oh, a problem okay, with sure. male nudity. That's listening to this. I really don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with any nudity, honestly, but like, this felt like, like you said, it felt unnecessary, it's unnecessary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I mean, like if they're making a point here, if they're saying, Hey, you know, see what I mean? It's not a, it's not, not necessary guys. Right. This is uncomfortable. Isn't it? You like this, this doesn't make any sense. Right. doesn't need to be in here. Does it? If that's what they're doing, I'm all for it. Fine. That's what's going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen any, any notes to that effect or anything like that. If it serves the story, great. Like the, the nudity in the boys serves the story. You know, I mean, like, how do you have, like, I'm not going to go into exactly what happens, but how do you have happen what happens? Does that make sense? How, yeah. how can you have happen what happens without them being nude? Right, like there's just no yeah. way that that happens. So it serves the story, right? So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that's what the case. Hopefully that's the case. I know that Taiko Waititi is good at nuance when it comes to you know social issues and that sort of thing. So maybe that maybe that's what he's going for. And if that's the case, I'm going to give him a pass. But anyway, so now that we're done talking about Thor and his dong hanging, they. <laughs> They, it turns out that Zeus is afraid of gore and he doesn't want to help. So they, so he basically tries to have Thor and Valkyrie and Jane and Korg captured and the big battle ensues and they kill Zeus, but not before Zeus injures Korg. Doesn't he like, kill, right. you know, like you yeah, think he threw he's a th- dead.
1: thunderbolt through Korg.
0: Yeah. You think he's dead because he just crumbles and yeah. he, now he's just a face. He's not dead. He's just, you know.
1: Reminded me of Groot. And there's a little piece of him yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It kind of does,
1: doesn't it? That'll. Rebecca, what did you think about the visuals here? So like when they walked into this arena type place and stuff, I thought it looked obviously CGI. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like it. It seems way over the top. I I thought I didn't, I didn't like the way it looked.
0: It was, it was definitely CGI, but Mm -hmm. I thought that it was perfect for what I think gods would be doing. Okay. Like complete opulence. Right. No Holy grails from Indiana Jones for these folks. They're going to go with like gold plated everything. And in fact, the God at the beginning of this movie that, that Gore kills his mm-hmm. blood is gold. His blood is golden.
1: Yeah, it seems like all of their blood is golden. Yeah. I, Except for Thor. I thought the shots when they were up closer looked okay, but mm-hmm. when they were doing the big panning shots, that's where I was. I didn't really like that the way that looked. You looks, had a problem so. with
0: the CGI part of yeah. it, like the effects, the actual effects. Yeah, yeah they, I, they did look. It
1: didn't, it didn't appeal to me so much.
0: Yeah, it did look a little. It didn't look as good as some other stuff has looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after they ki- kill Zeus, or they, we think they kill Zeus, but they don't actually kill Zeus. That'll come back later. After they kill Zeus, is the Valkyrie steals the Thunderbolt and they take off. Jane and Thor make up. And make out. They do both. They do both. She tells him that she's dying, that she has cancer. And we find out that when she's not thawed up, when she's not mighty thawed up, Jane is still dying. So the question now for me is if Mjolnir was supposed to heal her, or not heal her, but protect her, why would it call to her only to, because we're going to find out that the use of the hammer accelerates the cancer. It causes her to be even less able to fight the disease. If Mjolnir was supposed to protect her, why is that happening?
1: I don't know. Unless it didn't realize that it would accelerate it and just thought that she'd be okay. I I don't know. I have no idea. I don't I don't get that part.
0: Maybe it was just following its programming and didn't really take that into consideration. But if,
1: well, I feel like it doesn't have a brain necessarily. It's just off of, I don't know.
0: It's magic. like an
1: animal almost. It's it's it's, it's, magic. it's it's just instinct.
0: Right. But it's just, it's magic, right? So it mm-hmm. should, it should be able to f- suss this out. I would think. I don't know. This was a a sticking point for me. The hammer that was supposed to protect her is going to further her disease. But so it's not doing its job by doing its job. It doesn't make it, it doesn't sit well with me, I guess. So anyway, so they travel to the shadow realm to try and save the kids, but this was a ruse by gore he needs stormbreaker to open the bifrost and enter the realm of eternity so we get to see the marvel character eternity it's a cosmic entity in the comics and he's going. i don't know if this is how this works because i'm not really a i'm not really a a space marvel fan i never really read guardians of the galaxy or most of Thor or any of that stuff. I never liked it when the X-Men went to space. I liked my, I like my action more Terran than that, but eternity, apparently when you enter the realm of eternity will give you a wish. You can wish for something and Gore plans to wish for all gods to die.
1: And now my understanding is that part of eternity is MCU and not comic book.
0: Okay, all right. It doesn't seem like something that would come out of the comics. It seems yeah. a little, seems a little fanciful. If I could, okay, <laughs> we're talking about a, the <laughs> living embodiment of the, of the of the concept of of eternity, but that seems a little like fanciful for me.
1: So <laughs> now, yeah. I liked the visuals of this whole sequence with the black and white. You yes. Occasional pops of color here and there. Only when the this hammer's being used, right? was cool. I uh, liked yeah. this a lot. This visually, was really yeah. really visually stunning. I yeah,
0: very, it. very visually unique. And Yes, I liked it. And it, it, it just, artistically speaking, there are parts of this movie that are very, very compelling. And this is one of them. This is one of them. So they, uh, Gore basically beats up on everybody. He injures Valkyrie and steals Stormbreaker when the rest of the gang heads back to Earth. But I think they do so with the Bifrost. How do they do that with the Bifrost? Without Stormbreaker.
1: Is this where the Valkyrie's horse takes him back? Because the horse has the ability to do that too?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, the horse did that. Okay.
1: I mistaken there? I think that's how they got back.
0: No, no, I'll accept that. I I mean, that seems like the way that it happened. But this is where we find out, though, that, that, that Mighty Thor is being taxed a little bit too much by her use of Mjolnir to be able to fight the cancer and Thor says no 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 you stay here and recuperate I'm gonna go and fight Gore by myself because I'm not losing you again
1: but even though she's probably going to not make it anyways yeah that's
0: the thing that I don't get
1: but I understand what he's saying though I get it a hundred percent
0: right but okay as a Viking, as a Norse god, Thor would want nothing more for his love than to see her again in Valhalla. Why would he allow her to die in a hospital bed and never see her again when he will die on the battlefield, most likely, and enter Valhalla? Why would that happen? Why wouldn't Thor be like, take the hammer, you're dying anyway? Let's, you know. Th- jane's argument makes sense she Mm -hmm. says why would i waste what little i have left yeah i can go and save these kids yep absolutely especially because he sets it up with sif early in the movie he says hey you don't go to valhalla unless you die on the battlefield and she's like shit so why wouldn't he just let her is there
1: some reason because she's human that she wouldn't be allowed to go there is that maybe what it is
0: no, because they say later, or, or Valkyrie says, you're a Viking now. So by her use of of Mjolnir and her turning into the mighty Thor, she becomes a Viking. She dies on the battlefield. She goes to Valhalla.
1: Hmm. Okay. You know, I I see both sides of the argument here. I get both sides. I understand this dilemma. Hmm. The back and forth of, should she do it? Should she not do it? She's dying anyways. I agree with you that he probably should have just let her go with, leave it up to her choice. But I don't know. I under, I understand. Both sides.
0: Well, there's another interesting point there though. What, like, this is her choice. It's not his choice, it is. right?
1: And he does say that he does let her choose. And then she does choose to stay behind at first.
0: Yeah, I don't like this story beat at all. Sorry, I, 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 know I'm, I know I'm kind of coming down a little harder on this movie, but I think we'll get to why a little later here. So Thor finds the kidnapped kids and he does a little enchantment. He imbues them with the power of Thor or, or more importantly, imbues items that they have with the power of Thor, like a teddy bear. Question. Yeah.
1: Why didn't he do this in Infinity War or in any of these other things that they've been fighting?
0: Well, okay. question. Why would Thor go to the gods or after God, after the gods told Thor to fuck off? Why wouldn't he go to the Avengers and be like, hey, guys, I need some help. At least Banner. Right. Somebody. Yeah. He's got a lot of powerful friends that he wouldn't necessarily
1: even have to imbue or call the the guardians back. The guardians already end this movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Call the guardians back. You already have them under contract. Shoot that. Right. No, (laughs) no. And I don't even want the guardians back because honestly, I'm sick of Chris Pratt. I'm done. I don't want Chris Pratt anymore. Get rid of him. but it would make more sense than, you know, all of a sudden he can imbue things with the power of Thor, but he didn't do that. Like you said, in infinity war or Mm -hmm in Endgame or any of that other stuff. Like,
1: but maybe it could be like you were talking before. He's learning and growing and evolving, and maybe he didn't know he could do that.
0: Or maybe But it's then,
1: ju- I don't know, it just seems weird because he just or, knew how to do it.
0: Or maybe it's just one of those things like, oh yeah, Doctor Strange could have lopped Thanos' hand right off and the game is over. Yeah. But the, he didn't. Why? Because my theory is he hated Tony Stark and he wanted Tony Stark to die. He's like, <laughs> yeah, this is my theory, right? Nope. <laughs> Let's go back to that real quick. I just want to throw this theory in there. We're going to sidetrack here, guys. Doctor Strange could create a portal that would lop off Thanos' hand and effectively separate him from the gauntlet. In fact, he does that earlier in Infinity War. It, it was War. set up earlier. It yep. was set up, but he doesn't do it. And when he's asked how many of those future versions did you see that we win he says there's one and he means we as in the grand we but that includes how many does he win in as well so theoretically he hated Tony Stark because he kept calling him like like the wizard or whatever space wizard or whatever so he wanted Tony Stark dead so that was his plan all along you watch Doctor Strange is gonna be a big bad in phase four (laughs) <laughs> anyway, back to this movie. Jane on Earth senses that Gore is going to kill Thor, even though there's this huge battle going on. She magically—I don't know how she does this, though.
1: This part, I don't know how she gets yeah. there.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure how she. I'm not sure how she does it, but she magically. Gets me on their back, which that's fine.
1: Or did she come in on the horse? Valkyrie's not there.
0: She did come in on the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. We just don't ever see her actually do the traveling. She's just there. right? She's Okay. All right. So they don't set it up for us work to infer that she traveled on the horse. Good call. So she shows up on Valkyrie's horse and saves the day, basically. She beats the crap out of gore. And but they they manage him they they destroy the necrosword, but gore manages to get into eternity's realm anyway. And when he does, Thor and the mighty Thor are also brought there. And Gore is about to make his wish, but Thor talks him down after all this. He talks him down and says, Hey. Just bring back your daughter, instead of killing all the gods. That's what you miss, right? And he lets he lets Gore make the decision, and he you know kind of cradles Jane because Jane's dying now. Like Mjolnir has accelerated her her illness, and she is gonna die. She dies, but Gore wishes to bring back his daughter and eternity grants the wish, but Thor agrees to take care of Gore's daughter because Gore's going to die. They've, they've beat him up enough that he's, he's, he's a goner without the Necrosword. He's dead. Mm-hmm. And Thor says, okay, fine. I will take care of your daughter. And the, and then Dor- Gore dies and the Kids return to New Asgard. Valkyrie and Sif are training them. Thor has Mjolnir again because he doesn't have Stormbreaker anymore. And he continues to do his stuff. But now he's also got love with him. But she's got Stormbreaker. So you've got love and thunder.
1: The name of the movie. Yeah,
0: they did the. Oh, they did the name of the movie. Now let's talk about those mid-credit scenes real quick before we go okay. back, because I'm sure there's going to be stuff we want to talk about with the gore stuff. But mid-credits, we get a scene of Zeus. He's not dead. He was just badly injured, and he's recuperating. And he sends his son to kill Thor, and his son is Hercules, guys. The Hercules from comics, not the Hercules from mythology.
1: I didn't realize that I should have realized, but I didn't realize like Zeus and Hercules and all them were in the comics. I don't know why I never like thought that would be the case because it makes sense, but sure.
0: Well, if you got Thor, you're going to have Hercules, right? Right. Makes sense. Where Thor is, there's always Hercules. Not just kidding. That's <laughs> not true. That doesn't happen. So Also. And then we get a final post-credit scene where exactly what I said would happen happens. Jane Foster arrives at Valhalla and she is welcomed by Heimdall who thanks her for helping save his kid who was one of the kids in the in the Asgardian children that were taken by gore. So let's let's talk a little bit about the end scene here. I was seriously like I didn't want her to die but I was ecstatic that she got to die on the battlefield. I yeah. really was because I kept thinking to myself, they can't have set up that SIF thing for nothing. And they're not going to kill Thor. It's either Valkyrie or Jane. And then I realized they're not going to kill Valkyrie. Natalie Portman is not coming back after this. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. I mean, she's not but like she was in two. She didn't come in for the third one. Eh, I don't know if she was really that interested in being in here. Maybe she is. But this is a great way to send off this character. I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. How did you feel about her dying and going to Valhalla?
1: I I liked it. I was excited for the mighty Thor in this. Mm-hmm. I, I was just I love it when we see female superheroes because so many of them are male. <laughs>
0: oh sure, yeah.
1: I I like to see this. I feel like they gave her a fitting story, a fitting, you know, departure. You know, it's a hero's a hero's death. She gets to go to Valhalla, you know. I I like yeah. it. I like it a lot, so.
0: Yeah. I think the story beat that bothered me is that Thor was going to deny her entry to Valhalla by keeping her sidelined. And in fact, if Valkyrie had died from her injuries, he denied her the ability to get into Valhalla as well. I didn't like that they sidelined Valkyrie. I like Tessa Thompson. I do. And I like her as an actor. I like this character. I wanted her involved at the end, but they sidelined her and they sidelined Korg, really, too. Which, fine, I guess he doesn't really have a body anymore, but whatever. But there was a there's a scene where they... Tessa Thompson, or Tessa Thompson where uh, Valkyrie ties him to the back of her head with her hair. And yeah. and he's got like this Voldemort thing going on with her for a little while, which that could have worked. Why not have them in there? It's like Chewbacca carrying C-3PO around at Empire at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Do it. Why can't Valkyrie be in there? That was a little. Well,
1: angry. you wouldn't have quite had the emotional moment between the two of them at the end if you've got the extra people in there I guess
0: I suppose there'd been like a lot of humor in there if Korg was there
1: yeah what do you think of the idea
0: of eternity as a character
1: this is a different kind of concept I was I watched a little video on it and Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be like the whole universe yeah and so Trying to wrap your head around the concept of a being being the universe that we're all are that the story all takes place in. What? It's <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of have to just check out from trying to think about it too much and be like, yeah, all right, it's it's a thing. It's a little heady.
0: Yeah, it's a little heady. No, I don't I'm not like a huge fan of like again, like the cosmic stuff from Marvel I I just I know they go there a lot and I usually check out when they do like when the X-Men go to space I'm just like uh fine we'll read this I guess but but I do like that there are characters like Eternity or like the Celestials or you know stuff like that I think it's interesting that there are these gigantic creatures that kind of run everything You know, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that they were going to bring that in. And I like I think it's it felt a lot to me like the way they did Ego the Living Planet in Guardians 2, Mm -hmm. where he was a living planet, but like he was also a human manifestation, right? Like he had a human form so that you can kind of relate to him because in the comics he's literally a planet that talks to people so how do you pull that off
1: right that doesn't right quite compute right
0: (laughs) right although they did get people to love a talking raccoon with a bad attitude so who the hell knows they could probably pull that off if they wanted to but i don't (laughs) think it works for the story so i think that this being a concept versus a personification I think works a little better it is in kind of a human form it's almost sitting there like a Buddha statue you know yeah but but, but yeah I, I always like when they bring in like these other bits of um, now Marvel this seems like this
1: is gonna maybe tie in with some of the celestial stuff we're getting from Eternals does that yes sound... yeah. yeah yeah because
0: we do see some celestials at one point right um, yeah in one of the scenes, I don't remember what scene it is, but there are some celestials. So it does feel like, and this is where Thor fits in the Marvel universe. He's part of that celestial pantheon of characters. And yeah, he's, he's an Avenger too, but like his solo stuff is usually like way the fuck out there. Like crazy bat shit nuts stuff, you know? Sure. So, so yeah, so that kind of fits in there. So I know, I know this is kind of unorthodox, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about gore and his interactions with that God at the beginning, the gods, all of them as, actually, kind of come off as very, I'll just say it, Trumpy. You know? I was going like, to say
1: douchey, but yeah, same thing.
0: Yeah, well, no, I mean, but like, but like the guy at the beginning even says, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do, and you're still going to worship me. You yeah. know? Yeah. at Like, that's very Trumpy, but I, and I think... Like they balk at that, you know, they set that up, but then they never actually like give gore any like lip service about this. It's all about trying to bring his kid back or get his revenge on the, ki- uh, you know, on the gods for the kid. Like. There's no ethos behind it for him other than me kill gods, you know? And I don't know. It seems such this gore seems like such an empty, one dimensional type character, And I think this is kind of a problem with Marvel villains as a whole. There's never any real ethos behind them. And I'm hoping that when we get to X-Men or when we get to the Fantastic Four and we get to like Magneto and Victor Von Doom, that we're going to have maybe some more depth to these characters. Like, I feel like the Spider-Man villains have that depth You know, I feel like the X-Men villains have that depth, but I feel like Avengers villains and Thor villains and like cosmic villains tend to be so big that you just don't have time to have that depth. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I mean, does that even matter to you? Do you care that there's not like there's, there's only one dimension and basically it's me kill gods.
1: I think if the story is right for it. It's fine. I mean, I'm not opposed to seeing more in-depth storylines with these guys. That that I think that would be interesting.
0: Yeah. So okay. Do you have any other notes, any other tidbits no, I think that I've you
1: want to share? Gotten through all mine.
0: You think you've gotten through everything? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about it. I've got some wrap-up stuff I want to talk about, but where, where do you sit on this? Keep rent or erase?
1: I am going to rent this one. I I don't think it's the worst movie I've seen. It's definitely not the best movie. It has some issues with some of the storytelling. Some of it doesn't make sense. Some of it felt very like they were trying to too much put in different homages to things. Like there's even a, a cocktail sign from that movie Cocktail from tom cruise way back in the 80s that's on the ship you know i mean there's just so many things that it's like why is all this in here some of the humor i wasn't really into some of it was fine some of it was just eh, all right that whole fighting scene in the front with thor i i i like watching thor fight like in the end game and stuff in the infinity war, he was fun to watch there. That made sense to how he fought in his fighting style, this karate stuff. I was like, where is this coming from? I I don't get this. So I didn't, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. And honestly, the first like five, 10 minutes, maybe it was even at the 10, 15 minutes up to that point where they're getting the goats and stuff. My thought was, oh boy. (laughs) I don't know about this movie i was a little nervous going going into this the stuff i did like i like the mighty thor i like natalie portman coming back christian bale man that dude is an excellent actor he is so good i gore i thought was a good character i thought he would played it well he's interesting like i said there was some good humor in here which is kind of what we got with Thor Ragnarok kind of spilled over here, but I think they just went a little too far with it. And then the whole shadow planet that just looked cool. So I really enjoyed watching that too. So while this isn't probably upper tier Marvel movie for me by any means, I, I don't think it was bad enough for me to erase this. So I'm going to put it on the red shelf.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So I really, really like Jane Foster as the mighty Thor. I wanted more of her and less of Thor because they made Thor goofy as shit. Like he was absolutely dumbfoundingly goofy. And I'm not okay with that. Like I'm okay with there being some jokes here and there. I'm okay with, I'm even okay with Ragnarok being a bunch of jokes. But to make Thor this caricature of a character is, I think, unforgivable in a Thor movie. I wanted more of Jane Foster as Thor. I wanted more of Valkyrie. I wanted more Korg. And I wanted more gore. I wanted to see more of Christian Bale in that role. Like you said, great actor. He put up, he put a lot of stuff into this, but we don't get enough of his story. I don't think to really satisfy me. I'm so done with Chris Pratt. I mentioned this before. Like I'm just done with Chris Pratt. It's the same thing all the time with him. I miss Chris Pratt when he was Andy in Parks and Rec. I don't need any more action. Chris Pratt. He's annoying. He's annoying. And he can go away. I hope they kill him off in Guardians 3. And I hope we get a new leader for Guardians. Because I'm done with them. I was so close to erasing this movie. And I almost put it in that column. Until Jane. till Mighty Thor came back to the battle at the end. And got to die on the battlefield. It felt like that kind of redeemed this movie enough. That I could put it in the rental column. So that's where it is rental for me, and it's literally only Jane Foster that saved this. Fair enough. I'm a little sad because I really, really, really liked Ragnarok. I thought it was great. I think again, Taika Waititi maybe isn't the guy to write this. Definitely the guy to direct it because Ragnarok mm-hmm. was fantastic.
1: Ragnarok. Ragnarok is one of my favorite ones. One of I my favorite it. Marvel movies. Yeah,
0: like up there with like Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. but like this man keep the pen out of his hand and give the dude the camera come on like get the guys back that did Ragnarok get them back give give Taika the, the director's chair yeah I just <laughs> I wanted more out of this I wanted more out of this I wanted more oh well I don't get more maybe in Thor 5 or 5 I don't know I don't know how they're gonna do this one It's not going to be Love and Thunder. I didn't even have a problem with him adopting the space alien baby. You know? I didn't even have a problem with that. I'm fine with Thor having a daughter that, you know, he goes off and fights with and shit. That's awesome. That's cool. But stop making him so damn goofy. He doesn't need to be a himbo. He doesn't
1: need to be comedy all the time.
0: Right. Yeah. He doesn't need to be constant comedy. (sighs) What are we doing next? I got to get this out of my mouth.
1: All right. Next week, we are going to cover where the crawdads sing
0: where the crawdads sing that is the that's the murder mystery one right like there's a feral girl or something yep that's coming to yep. theaters is it did you read the book didn't you
1: i have read the book oh
0: boy you're gonna bring all kinds of cool stuff to this well <laughs> you're we'll like see. no <laughs> no i'm not we'll see
1: <laughs> i i'm excited to see how they're gonna try and adapt this to the big screen okay so we'll, we'll hopefully, I'm excited to see this movie. I, to me, the books are always better than the movies. I cannot even think of a time that I've read a book and watched the movie and I thought the movie was better. Now I'm sure there are some out there and I'm sure some people think that way, but I, I do tend to enjoy the books more. So I'm going into this cautiously optimistic that they can nail this thing.
0: What I think is interesting is that that's exactly how I feel about the comics to movies Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you feel that way about books to movies. Yep. I was doing a little bit of research into the film and it is produced, written, directed, starring, and based on a book by women. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you right here next week on the couch for some, some crawdads, I guess. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A View from the Couch. We value your feedback. Please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your preferred podcast listening app.
1: You can reach us on Facebook by searching at A View from the Couch, on Twitter at view underscore couch, or by emailing us at Couch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye.
0: See ya.